Welcome to the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies podcast, the podcast that will help you build your 4-H house one lunch at a time. This is hosted by Megan Parr and Wendy Scott, 4-H specialist in Texas. Hey, Wendy, how's it going? It is so good, Megan. What about you? Oh, you know, the sun finally came out and the temperature is elevating and man, feels like a brand new day. It really does. I just pulled up weather here and I've already been to the grocery store, but it's 32 in Lubbock and we haven't been above freezing and I don't know how long. I know. And it's gorgeous outside. Yes, us too. I almost feel like I need need to leave my back door open because it's so nice out there. You know, it's still it's still in the upper 20s, but it's it's way warmer than it has been in a in a, about a week, a little over a week. We're getting to 48 today. I thought about laying out. Yeah. No, no. I was like, hey, we can go for a walk today. <laughs> I know this is our first day of, with no snow in a long time either. I guess it's Sunday. I know. And the sun is shining. Man, yeah. the, I saw that sun this morning and I had to open every window in my house so that it could just filter through because, uh, man, we haven't seen the sun in, in a while. What's that Kid Rock song? Haven't seen the sun in three days. <laughs> Long, way longer yeah. than, <laughs> way longer than three days. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a fun podcast we're going to have today. Fun. Yes, we're so excited. So this week's topic is on foods and nutrition. And I can already hear some of the eye rolls going, oh my gosh, why are we talking about foods and nutrition? Well, we told y'all that this whole, this whole season is dedicated to project experiences and learning and, and all those things. And so what we want to do is to equip you with some good um, tried and true ideas, some maybe out of the box thinking and ways that we can um, teach you how to teach the Foods and Nutrition Project. Now, this, this particular subject is going to be two parts. This week, we're going to focus on those learning experiences and actually how to teach those project experiences. And then the second part, which will come later down the road, will focus on camps and more contest um, resources. So with that, Wendy, you want to kick us off? I do. And, and y'all know, we tell you this, this is no surprise, but make it always prior to and kind of ask you how we talk through how we're going to, you know, what we'll talk about and how we're going to put it together. And I, I really threw myself under the bus is I love food nutrition. That was probably my favorite project as an agent. But I found myself being very guilty of just doing learning experiences that fit the contest. And not that anything was wrong with that. It's not that it was. But as, as Megan and I were talking about ideas, we're really talking about taking things and making it practical. Making your food nutrition project practical. And really, as we kept talking, pre-show, people use this verbiage a lot, I know. But I think and this is true. Back to the basics is what skills do kids really need to know when they're in the kitchen that maybe they don't see a parent showing or exemplifying? And, and what, how can we teach that? How can we go back to those basics where then we can turn them loose in the kitchen as a, a middle school kid, a high school kid, and growing into adulthood that they have the skills they need to prepare meals at home? Yeah, and, and I think, too, the, the other thing that we talked about was taking things deeper. Oftentimes, the time, because of time constraints or 
or project constraints or the fact that you have some that are more advanced than others and you're trying to cater to everybody we we tend to stay surface level um with probably i would say probably some minimum requirements um but taking things a step further and diving a little deeper is going to be really important very much so so do we just want to jump into our list and talk about each one yeah let's go for it Okay, so um, so we did talk about getting back to the basics, and I think some of the most basic things that we can teach our kids, um, well, for me, the one of the first things that we should teach them is how to read a food label. You know, we talk about eating healthy, we talk about different things that are in those um, those foods and stuff, and learning how to read a food label is super important, not just for the calorie content, but serving size, knowing how much of that ingredient makes a serving like fun fact did you know that a, a a fun size candy bar is not one serving it's actually two i know a regular candy bar snickers bar i'm sorry i got that one wrong a snickers bar is not one serving it's two servings and knowing how much sugar is in that entire bar as opposed to just one serving of it you know and and no and learning things like that and learning how to read those food labels we teach that a lot of times as some curriculum enrichment um but i think we forget to teach that to our 4-h members and so yes. they don't they don't learn that yes and there again there's resources to help you do this i know i've got something i'll put i'll i'm going to share with making my pinterest board link that you can go look at pinterest so that you shouldn't have to pinterest on this everybody's got labels sitting in their home Yes. Yeah, kids go pull labels. I used to have a box, and you talked about curriculum enrichment. I had a box, and it's labels. Once we finish something at home, I would break that box down, mm -hmm. and I carried that box a lot of places. And even taught adults because adults didn't know how to read labels. Yes, so they didn't have a So I taught. I had to teach the adults the same thing. So how to read those labels? And, and, so many things to do. Yeah, and it's not just it's not just boxes. It's also in our drinks as well. Like if you finish a Gatorade or you finish a soda or things like that, knowing how much sugar or how many calories or whatever are in those types of things play into part of our our, our health and nutrition part of our project. And so we, we want to teach the, our kids to look for those things. We want to teach them to know how to read a food label, to get the calorie content, to get the, the serving size and the, the ingredient list and all those things. Especially with that sugar, we would measure out. We convert how many grams equals a teaspoon, and then they would measure out. And you go back, you know, a lot of people do that on drinks with refund your drink. But then we would do it on lots of foods too that, that I could tell were high in sugar, and they would measure out how much was in the serving. And to see that visual, mm -hmm. that's what made it real world. That's what, to me, what is the point of reading a label? Yeah. So that's a good one. I so, like that one. So, what's on your list, Wendy? All right, I've got, and I'm, I'm going to go down to one that Megan and I talked right before showtime. I think this would be so fun. And this will probably be much more, probably a higher level, but prepackaged versus home. Mm -hmm. And let, especially those senior 4-H members, your intermediates, maybe your eighth graders, maybe if they've been around for a while, but let them do some taste testing, a prepackaged something compared to a homemade and how do you make that homemade? So I made a list of things that I was thinking pre-show, chicken noodle soup. I can't stand canned chicken noodle soup. I think that's the freshest thing ever made. I'm sorry, if you like it, you enjoy that. 
but teaching them how to make a homemade chicken noodle soup and then letting them taste the difference. What does that look like? Or bacon, this is not one of Megan's favorite foods, chicken <laughs> pot pie. I like me some chicken pot pie, but I did true homemade the other day. Crust and all of it, the whole nine yards homemade. And I thought, what a difference between that and that prepackaged. Now, Megan and I did talk about macaroni and cheese, a prepackaged compared to real. And I think sometimes the when people hear homemade, that's scary to them. Number one, they may not know how to read a recipe. I think that's something you could teach too. How to read a recipe, they think it's going to be very time consuming. And yeah, it takes a little bit more time. But I think the outcome, we're talking something healthier. And to me, something that tastes so much better. So really taking any prepackaged and, and making it and comparing it to what a homemade recipe could look like. Yeah, um, I, I think that's a great idea. And, and how many times have these kids actually had some of those homemade dishes? Uh, we were talking um, before the show about um, I'd never had boxed macaroni and cheese until I got to college. I've always only had homemade macaroni and cheese. And my roommates made a lot of fun of me. Thanks for that, Chrissy Carr. Um <laughs> That I didn't, in a good way, Chrissy. Yeah, that I didn't know how to make box macaroni and cheese. And so, um, you know, I mean, but that's that's the, the minority today is that these kids, because we're so focused on convenience and we're so focused on um, we want things right now or mom and dad don't have time to, to put the extra effort into teaching how to make these things. Um, that these kids are, are we're missing an entire generation on what our grandmothers taught us you know, and how to make these homemade things. We also, one of the things that, that we want to kind of point out too, is that we do that as agents. That's why we tend to say surface level is because we don't have time to teach them how to go further. It's easy for us to just do it or easy for us to just graze over the top of it. But taking the extra time and teaching someone how to make mac and cheese for, uh, from a homemade recipe, as opposed to, to a box is, man, that's a life skill that you just don't get anymore. No, and, and this is something we'll talk more when we get into camps, but one year we did a, a baking school in the summer, and, and I had a wonderful office manager at the time who could bake and did all kinds of stuff, but she taught the kids to do homemade pasta. That was a game changer, mm-hmm. and there is nothing like homemade pasta. Now, talk about time intensive, yeah, it was, but wow, to truly have a true homemade product, and to me, that's something our senior level kids, that they've been in food nutrition since third grade, that's something they should know know how to do by the time they're seniors. Yeah, for sure. All right, what's another one on your list? Um, I, I, we do this a lot, but measurements um, and knowing the di- you would not believe the number of adults that don't know the difference between wet and dry measurements. Um, we we have talked about this a lot. How I really love to li- to watch the TikToks. Um, but I watched these adults get on there and they're measuring out liquids in their dry measuring cups. <laughs> and, and I'm going, guys, do you know that there's a difference between the wet and the dry? And actually one person did do that because I guess people blasted her in the comments for measuring out these liquid ingredients with dry measuring cups. And she said, it's one cup. One cup should equal one cup. It doesn't matter if it's wet or dry, but it does matter. And and she did. She measured out one cup into her dry measuring cup and then poured it into the wet measuring cup. And it was not a cup. 
And she could like, she was like, oh, so that's why all the things I've been making are not right. They're not turning out well. It's because she's not measuring her ingredients correctly. Yeah. And, and really think about, you know, we talk about, you know, getting kids ready, at least in Texas, and we take for granted that they know how to measure. They probably don't. Not yeah. Correct. No. And, and getting, correct. getting a full cup, like, okay, it says it's a packed cup of brown sugar making sure that you get a packed cup of brown sugar and that you pack it in there and you scrape off the top of it so it's an actual cup. Now, I'm a, we, we know this, we've established this, I'm a do as I say, not as I do kind of a teacher and I don't measure this way. I just kind of pour stuff in there and let it go. <laughs> like, there's nothing, well, no, there's a lot of things that give me pleasure when I'm in the kitchen, but there's nothing like taking that dry measuring cup and flipping it over with that brown sugar. And it's just this beautiful mold of brown <laughs> sugar. That is just so pleasing to me. <laughs> so, so for me, like I take my, my measuring cup and I'm making bread or whatever. And I, I take my container of flour and I pour it over that measuring cup. If there's extra flour that falls in there, eh, so be it. I'm going to shout out to Robert Scott. And not in a good way. It's kind of like a shout out to I, Robert. Robert's great on the grill. Now in the kitchen, not so much. So one day I was working late and I left him a really, what I thought, simple recipe of four ingredients. So I come in from work and I look at the dish and I thought, oh, something, something's not right here. It's just, this is bad. So I take it outside and I said, Robert, what did you do? He said, oh, the kids loved it. And my kids were little then. They were really little. He said, oh, the kids, they loved it. It was great. I said, no, something's not right. So I go back in the kitchen. I thought, I know exactly what he did. So I took out the fourth a teaspoon and the fourth a cup. And he was at mowing the yard at the time. And I walked out with those two pieces. And I said, which one did you use for pepper? <laughs> and he said, that cup. <laughs> I said, honey, honey. A fourth a cup of pepper, maybe if you're cooking an elephant. Maybe. This dish was so hot. And I thought, he probably tore up my baby's stomach. I mean, <laughs> it was so bad. So he was at the top probably three, four, three, five. Still to this day, really, I always want to get him in the kitchen and teach him exactly this measuring. So even at 52, he still doesn't know how to measure. Still, <laughs> so a skill that we need to be teaching our 4-H members. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, I love that story. I've shared that story a whole lot. Of Sorry, Mom. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, what's next on your list? All right. It's one we both talked about. One that I, I again, it's my craziness. I like to do it. Meal planning. <laughs> and I know. Yes. Oh, talk about another thing that makes me happy. It makes me happy is to sit down and figure out what I'm eating at, eating at each meal and then making that grocery list. That just... That's so pleasing to me, but I know at the end of the day, I know what I'm going to eat, and I know when I go to that grocery store, it's saving me money because I'm not just randomly pulling things off the shelves. And again, what a great thing to teach our kids that really could go from the beginning. They meal plan, and then maybe they go actually buy the groceries. They go buy, and they prep it. I mean, we're talking from beginning to end. Now, Megan had a fabulous idea on using a grocery app. Yeah, so I have, I have two comments for this. Um, one is we did this for um, in Texas for our food show. We've implemented a new um, portion of that contest where the, the students have to demonstrate a skill 
And so this year for our food show, the skill was for the seniors to get a grocery ad and a budget and they have to and put together a meal. I can't remember if it was a meal or a plate. It was something like that, but they had to do that from the grocery ad. And so I think that's a great skill to teach our kids. The second comment I have is that um, Wendy and I were talking earlier how um, today was the first day in a long time that she'd been inside the grocery store. And, and I, I, I'm the same way. I don't, I just order my groceries online and go pick them up. But I do that partly because I don't want to go in the grocery store, but also partly because I, I'm like you, Wendy, I like to meal plan. And I like to know that when I'm out of something, I just go add it to my grocery, my, my grocery app. And then um, I sit down and when I have to put my groceries in, I, I, I think through the things that I'm going to eat that week. And the things like that's how I do my meal planning is what what am I going to get at the grocery store? Whether all of those ingredients end up as the exact dishes that I had planned out, that's kind of a toss up sometimes. But I have the ingredients for specific things that I know I'm going to eat within a week or two. So that's how I do my meal planning. I do it through the grocery app. But that what a great skill to teach our kids. And, and how how many times, you know, do we hear adults that are trying to lose weight? Or they're trying to save money or do things like that, but they don't know how to meal plan. I mean, I know that I've taught as an FCH agent, taught classes on how to do that. And those were some of the best classes ever. And adults are like, man, we needed that. We don't teach that to our kids. How big of a difference would that be if we started now as an 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 year old and teaching them how to put together a meal and teach them how to do that in a budget friendly way? That's a lifelong skill that they will never, they will never lose. Absolutely. And the thing about that, you can get grocery ads from Just go to the grocery store. I, I loaded up one day. I went in there and just took a bunch of them because I was doing it for a program. You can do that if you get to do it in person. And I know you can pull up if you do online shopping. I know that the, at least the one place I go grocery store wise, that they have it in their app and it has the weekly ad and I can pull it up from there too. So you could do it whether it's virtually or in person. There's options, but I think that is a, such a wonderful skill to have. Yes. Wonderful. Love the meal planning. All right. What's another one of yours? Okay. Science experiments. Science experiments are one of my favorite things to do in the kitchen. Oftentimes we don't have time to do this at a regular project meeting. And I'll preface this whole statement with that is that this may be more um, camp oriented rather than project meeting oriented, but it could be something that you could incorporate into a project. Um, but I like for kids to learn how things react to each other. And two of the, two of the best ways to learn that is from, um, bread in a bag. So you can see the way that yeast reacts to water and sugar and feeding the yeast and all that sort of stuff. Um, and teaching them how to make bread and and how all of the things work together. And it's in a clear baggie so they can see that it's in front of them. Um, plus, then you get some tasty bread out of it at the end, which is my favorite. And um, the second thing is with the cookie test and to take a, a simple chocolate chip cookie recipe and tweak the ingredients and see what the result is um, or tweak the the cookware that you bake them on or the cooking temperature or you know different things like that and to tweak all these different things and do a guess and test and see what their hypothesis is versus what their actual end result is 
Um, also, that could be a, a thing that goes across some different project um, areas. You know, we've got science fairs, we've got um, educational presentations. This is a foods and nutrition um, act project activity that can span several different project areas. And so um, it's one of my favorites. We did it at camp one year. I love it. The kids love it. Um, the way that we taught, the way that I taught it was that I had several different groups and every group got a different a little bit different recipe, whether it was a different type of flour, different shortening, or like gluten-free or different things like that. We all baked these cookies. At the end of it, they all got to taste test all the different recipes and look at them and see the different textures and all that sort of stuff. They Their favorite part was taste testing the cookies. Some of them are super awesome. Some of them really are not. <laughs> and so, um, you know, it, it's just, it's a fun activity to get to do and a great way to show how, um, again, how ingredients react to each other. I've judged science fairs at school, and I'm so tired of saying what, what Coke will do to my teeth. Uh, you know, it's, it, that's an overdone science fair project. But how cool to do some type of food science science fair project. Oh, that, and to me, there's that correlation of 4-H to school. To, you can make things connect. Love that idea. Love the science side of it. And we are. We're going to talk about that more on the other podcast we'll do on food nutrition. Okay, I'm going to stay along those same lines, Megan. Baking. We know that people probably did a lot more baking when we got into COVID times because, you know, grocery stores didn't have bread, which then they started running out of flour, too, because people started baking so much. For sure. I know I did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't find it, so I had to buy a whole wheat. Oh, which I probably need that for the, you know, the, the uh, fiber, but whatever. Uh, but teaching kids just to simply bake and, and starting them off, maybe this quick breads and then yeast breads. And, and again, we're going to talk about this more when we talk about camps because this could really turn, turn into a baking school. Uh, you know, tortillas. I mean, there's so many things that can be done. And I'm going to say here, if you have not watched, if you have Netflix and you have not watched, and I know some people call it different names. Great British Baking Show or Great British Bake Off. Not necessarily the contest side of it, but the master's classes. You have got to watch the master's classes. You've got to watch them. And I'm talking, I mean, and our kids can watch this. But the way they talk about how to put things together. And, and I'll be honest. I like how you're, and I say Europe, at least England, that they weigh everything. I think there's a lot to be said about that between measuring and weighing, because weighing, you know it's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in the measuring, if you by accident tap that flour and it packs a little bit, maybe you do have a little more than a cup. But to sit there and watch them weigh everything, again, that could be another science thing. But Great British Baking Show Masters classes, those two, Mary Berry and Paul Hollywood, I love them so much, but just the things they do, and it, and it got me making some things. I, I started doing some things the way Paul taught with his bread, because that, that is his specialty, is bread. So I think that's a great thing for, for our kids. To do. I love that. So what's your <laughs> I'm so excited. I may bake something when we get off here. <laughs> I know. I have flour on my grocery list. Like, I need to go get stuff, because... Speaking of science experiments, I did one earlier this week, like as the storm was rolling in, I tried to make bread. I was out of, I didn't have enough flour to make a regular loaf of bread. 
Um, so I use substituted some almond flour. Side note, it doesn't turn out well if you do almond flour and regular flour together. It's not a one-to-one -one ratio like Google tells you. Not. <laughs> it does not turn out like regular bread. Um, so some side notes for me for you today. Um, so my next thing is um, garnishing. And this is something that we teach as a part of our um, contest stuff a lot of the time, um, especially for food challenge. But garnishing, I think when we look at garnishing a dish um, where, you know, how and I'm trying to c come up with the right words for this. When we played a dish at home, like when you make a dish for someone and you set it in front of them at the table, we don't really care what it looks like. But people when they eat their food are very visual people most most people are and if it doesn't look good they're probably not going to eat it especially little kids and and things like that and so teaching our kids from a young age to plate their food in a way that is visually pleasing so that people want to eat it is is important i think and i think we could get really creative on how we garnish things um of course pinterest is a great tool for that um, but I love getting out of the box and recreating ways that we put, put dishes together, like a salad. A salad is one that is pretty standard. We all do salads basically the same way, just put different things in them, lettuce, toppings, dressing, whatever. But what if you took that salad and you put it on a stick, you know, like, like recreate it, but garnish it just differently. You take a wedge of salad and you shove a stick through it and then you put all your toppings on there on the stick and then you drizzle it with dressing. That creates a more visually appealing um, dish to, to eat, I think. And so teaching our kids how to do that and get creative and that's where they get to really, you get to see their little wheels turn and they get to really um, do something neat and different and get out of their comfort zone and and be creative. Yes, yes. As I'm sitting here thinking after I taught my group one year about sauces, and then they all started doing this thing about where you kind of drag the sauce across the plate. Oh, yeah. And that's great, but I'm like, okay, that, that's been done to death. We're, we're done just dragging the sauce. But that time, you know, like the four little, uh, I want to say dollops of sauce or not dollops, but then you run the toothpick and they look like hearts. And I mean, there isn't, there's some fun things to do with garnishing when it comes to it, not just throwing some parsley on a plate. Mashed potatoes on uh, Guy's Grocery Games is one of my favorite food food network shows to watch and they all take like mashed potatoes or sweet potatoes or whatever and they do the spoon drag across the plate with those you know do your potatoes that way it's fun, fun. make it fun yeah. all right substitutions and we're not talking healthy substitutions here no we're talking you didn't plan ahead you didn't make that grocery list you didn't you didn't do some meal planning and off the cuff, you decide Stop. you're going to make some bread or you're going to make some cookies. You're going to do something. And all of a sudden, you're out of a particular ingredient. Is there something you have on hand you could set? Is there something you could do? Now, I will tell you, when I go to do this, I go to my handy dandy. And probably, I'm going to say 90% of people probably have this cookbook. The Better Homes and Gardens cookbook. And if you don't, go find one. I don't even know where to find them anymore. Probably Amazon. But mine sits on my shelf, pull it out, and in the back, it's got what to do if you're out of, if you don't have buttermilk, if you don't have all-purpose flour, if you don't, all kinds of different substitutions to do. Again, what a great thing for our kids to know. And, and you know what? To me, that's one fun in person 
Uh, you give them some ingredients, but maybe you leave something out, but you've got maybe a pantry over here and they have to go figure out what they're going to plug in in case. What a fun thing to do. Oh, it's so much fun. Um, I was telling Wendy earlier, I did this with my niece at Christmas. She wanted to make cookies for Santa and uh, we didn't have a cookie mix or anything. And so I just started pulling um, flour, sugar, butter, whatever to make it. Well, then I noticed we didn't have any eggs. And so I had to figure out real fast what you can use in place of eggs. You can use sweetened condensed milk. It makes the cookies a little wetter. So you got to put a little more flour in there, but um, super good. Super good. You just said that. I forgot to think of this. Just keep it out. Okay. Another cool thing I just have to put this as a bar. Okay. COVID. I started watching some of their tasty videos that are on YouTube. And it's this really cute couple. They're precious. And she decided she was going to make a meal for her and her husband, which is what they had on hand. They live in California and they were like extra shut down. Grocery stores weren't open or anything. So she was using the things she had on hand. So she was going to make a hummus to start the meal. And she, she kept saying, save the juice, save the juice. And I thought, what do you do with chickpea juice? What is this? Well, I didn't know. Again, I'm 51. I didn't know. Well, I guess I was 50 at the time. Aquafaba. Again, I'll, that is the juice of chickpeas. It's called aquafaba, and it's a substitution for eggs. Huh. So here's why we kept it: is we turned right around and made peanut butter cookies. And you use aquafaba and chunky peanut butter and regular peanut butter, and y'all, that was it. That is it. And I'll, I'll go find the link and send it to you, maybe for the show notes. Y'all, these may be the most delicious peanut butter cookies I've ever had. And what you, I mean, you mixed them, you did a normal, and then you melted some chocolate and dipped it in just like a, a quarter of the cookie. Y'all, I'm telling you. Um, and so I would fake out my family. So here's what I do now. If I ever make hummus, and I'm actually making some today for lunch. I'll save the aquafaba and I freeze it. And I write on my Ziploc how much it is. And it tells how much equals an egg. And I'll only use it for those peanut butter cookies absolutely like I'm craving it so I may make peanut butter cookies today too I'm missing I'm missing peanut butter cookies that's awesome okay so so you said that and it got my wheels turning again again I'm going to go refer back to my trusty um tool in my pocket called the tiktok um (laughs) there was a lady on there who um you know covid times we're all trying to do things differently and and find new ways to do things but her husband said, hey, we're spending too much money on groceries and we need to figure out a way to cut this back. And she said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to we're gonna buy groceries once a month and we're going to take the things that we have and, and create new things with them. We are not buying extra things. The only things that we're going to get on a regular basis are things like the kids' milk and um, produce because, you know, fresh produce doesn't last for a whole month. And so um, she had to figure out how to make what she had in her pantry and what she had in her freezer last them for a whole month. And I think the second time they did it, I think they took it even further and did it for longer than a month and seeing how long it took before they actually just flat ran out of things to eat in their house. You know, but she had to come up with things that her kids would eat. She had small kids that are picky and her husband who's picky. And so instead of making different meals for everybody every night of the week, they all ate the same thing. And she, um, she used what she had on hand. And what a great skill that is to teach our kids. You know, we talked about meal planning, but I think this meal planning and substitutions go hand in hand and a practical life skill to, to teach our kids 
hey, you don't always just have to run to the grocery store to get ingredients. Because for some of us, while that's a convenient thing, I mean, I literally live across the street from my grocery store. Not everyone is that close to their grocery store and not everyone has a grocery store that has a variety of things. And so um, teaching our kids to use what they have on hand to make a meal is, man, that is a life skill that I wish I'd had earlier. Yeah, and I, and I promise I'm throwing up Netflix again. I probably I don't watch that much Netflix. I really don't. But there's a show on there that I've seen. I don't know, five or six episodes, and it's, I can't remember the actual name, but it has to do with leftovers, and so they challenge three people that they have to take these leftovers, and they give them some, some fresh things, too, it's not all leftovers, and they have to create new meals from it. How fun is that? Because think of the leftovers we have, and maybe you don't want it to look just like the leftover you have. How can you take the whole thing or pieces of it and create a new meal? Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's a, it's a leftover show. I don't know what it's called. Just go check it out on Netflix. <laughs> But what a cool thing for our kids to do. Yes. They could watch the show and maybe get some ideas. And you're going to have some kids that will be really good at it. Yeah. Those, those kids that think creatively will be very good at, at taking leftovers and making some. Yeah. All, All right. right. What's another one for you? I'm so excited. I'm making some peanut butter cookies later. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> so my next one is um, cuts of meat. And while we don't always think of this as a part of the Foods and Nutrition Project, it is a very pertinent part of the Food and Nutrition project. Um, for me, I love the science of things. I love to break down, break down things into their um, simplest form and to know the science behind everything that we do. Um, and I think that you can't do foods and nutrition without talking about cuts of meat and, and the fact that cut the different cuts cook differently and we have to use them for different dishes. You can't just use ground beef for everything or you can't use um ribeye steak for everything you know we have to figure out um the different cuts of meat and how those um fit into different dishes i think i think that is a a great thing to do and again it's a it's a multi multi-faceted part of a project i mean meats is a whole project in itself it's a whole contest by itself and and um it, it can go into different lots, of, you know, different um, sections and stuff. But I think learning the cuts of meat, where they come from on the animal, what you can do with them, um, how they react. Do they have traditionally a lot of fat? Do they not have a lot of fat? Do they have muscles that go through them? What, you know, what are the, what are the things there? And I think that that is a, a crucial part of the Foods and Nutrition Project. Well, and I'm thinking about those meat judging kids that, and, and, and Megan and I, we haven't mentioned this yet. We talked about it pre-show about how so much of our things, especially when we're getting ready for contests, it's regurgitating information. Mm-hmm. And I know on that meat judging part where they have to do the cooking method and all of that, that's pretty much they studied some notebooks. But how neat, not that you can do it with every cut of meat, but how fun would it be for them to really take some of those cheaper cuts when it says that you've got to use a particular cooking method of experimenting with that. What does that look like? What What is dry cooking method compared to this cooking method? And I'd have to go back to my meats judging. You know, when I thought that I helped coach, I just sat there and listened to our coach. But but to really make that practical for those kids, not just a regurgitation from a note card, but truly practical. Yeah, That would be fun. That would be fun. All right. You said cuts. We're talking cuts of meat, but let's go to cuts of a different sort. Knife cuts, yeah. <laughs> types of knives. How? What different cuts can you make? Mince, dice, chop. Y'all, I actually did a lesson one time. I kid you not, because 
the one thing I will food shame when I was the FCA chair, it was it became a joke in my county. People would purposely do this. I won't. I wouldn't food shame when people go, Wendy. It's a busy night, and all I can get on the table is a chili dog. I'm like, I will not food shame, but I will food shame jar garlic. There you go. There is my food shame. I said it is cheap to buy fresh garlic, but people were scared. They saw the bulb. They didn't know what to do with it. And so I would teach them, oh, do I have to food shame you? Make no, no. So I know how to chop garlic. It's just way easier to already buy it minced. <laughs> Everybody's like, why? I said, because the, to me, two, two things. To me, the, the cost, it's cheaper. But y'all, the flavor, the flavor of fresh garlic, you just can't beat it. You just can't. And yes, your fingers may smell like garlic for three days. It is so worth it. But teaching kids to do that so again different chops chiffonade that's my other one to do if you don't know what that is go check it out you do it with basil but but and i will tell you in deep covid i actually put together a lesson on knives and so megan hopefully maybe there's a way i can share that with you and it's got some links with it but it's different knives how to sharpen your knives that's one thing that i'm probably not good at either probably our kids don't know how they're working with dull knives but how to sharpen different cuts to make it was just a pretty nice little lesson on knives we use them we use them all the time but are we using the right ones are we doing the most effective cuts and are they sharp i really like that um types of knives that's that's something that really resonates with me um and i i know that we're not talking about contest in this but oftentimes when we're when we're teaching the foods and nutrition project it is related to a contest and um the food challenge contest is the one that comes into my head and the way that we put those boxes together <laughs> um, i've looked up so many times and seen these kids with these giant giant knives trying to de-seed a bell pepper you know <laughs> or a or a, a jalapeno or something and, and when we, you know, we know that you maybe need a paring knife, not a, a giant meat cleaver to do this, <laughs> meat cleaver. <laughs> to do this with, um, we don't, we don't take the time to, to teach our kids that, you know, that they don't need the, all the chef's knife to, to do the thing that a paring knife could do and to know the difference between all the different knives, um, it's it's a wonder and to be honest with you i didn't know that until i had to teach it i'm going to stay with that to get to a point on this whether it's knives or we i even listed right before we came on the show about just general kitchen equipment but a lot of a lot of people again i say kids it's, it's people don't know about kitchen equipment if you've got and i will say we have and i'm going to shout out to them because it's wonderful in lebeck we have a place called big plate restaurant supply that may be one of the neatest kitchen stores I have ever seen. But if you've got something close to you or, or this goes back to ages and stages, we talked about that those seniors like to load up and go somewhere. So maybe you're far from one, but you're going to take kids and you're going to tour and they are more than willing to eat your forage. I promise. Turn it loose. There is some cool equipment, whether it's baking, it's, I'm going through the grilling stuff they have at Big Plate. I was in the right for Christmas time. Man, what a pots, pans, but letting your kids see all that and not having to buy it yourself, but just letting them walk through there and see what they've got and then have somebody teach about it. I, I think that's a fabulous, and I say hands on, it's not hands on, but it could be in person. And that'd be a YouTube video. 
mm-hmm. or, or the TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, knives. I mean, they have tons of knives in there. It's just, oh, it's a great place. So, so along those same lines, the rest of your kitchen equipment, I think, is an important thing to teach our kids, and I think that's one of the basics that we need to teach them. Mixing bowls. Why do you not mix in this type of bowl, or why do you not mix in this type of bowl? And um, what's the difference between a hand mixer and a stand mixer? Or on your mixers, the the whisk attachment versus the paddle attachment versus the dough hook. You know, what are the differences between those, and what do we use those for? Um, and and then you know, getting into um, cookware. What's the difference in our cookware? What's for Teflon versus um, steel versus cast iron, you know, and, and this could be an entire series on in itself is cooking with cast iron and the do's and don'ts of that and how you don't run it through the dishwasher, um, you know, and things like that. Um, but uh, the differences in, in cutting boards and, and um, ceramic cookware versus glass cookware and dark coated cookware versus clear cook you know there's there's just so many things that you can do what's the difference between uh, a loaf pan and a round pan i mean obviously the the loaf pan looks like a loaf and the round pan looks like a a circle but do we call them by their regular names um what what does that mean on the two those two pieces of equipment you just listed is how do those cook differently? Yes. I mean, I think that's a great thing to do with kids. Um, a sifter versus a um, a strainer, you know, <laughs> they sound differently, but they are very, very different. They sound similar, but they're very different pieces of equipment. Yes. I, I just, I think that there's so, and even going back to the, the story that you told earlier with Robert and the measurement, you know, with the, the a quarter cup and a quarter quarter tablespoon, going back to that and knowing how to do the spoons versus the cups and, and, you know, all those things, go tour a kitchen store. You know, we, we talked, to, you talked about that a while ago, but go tour the, the, I'm trying to think of a good kitchen place. Uh, there's, you know, a kitchen section in most of your department stores, like Kohl's is the one that keeps popping in my head or JCPenney's. Go tour their, their kitchen sections and see all the things that they have in there. Walmart, we have Walmarts close to a lot, a lot of people. Yeah, they have an excellent kitchen section with a variety of tools and the quality and a whole whole range of quality. You have your higher end versus your lower end and and things like that. And knowing what the difference is between each of those things and why it's important to get a good set of knives or why it's important to get a good set of cookware, you know, versus the cheap stuff. While the cheap stuff could get us through in college, it's not going to get us through if we're feeding a family of five every day. And I equip my whole college kitchen, and I will never in Kroll, Texas. My cousin used to live there, and went to her graduation. And I was moving to my apartment, and I stocked my whole kitchen from Family Dollar. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and I'm not, I'm not dishing that, but I can tell you, there's some good equipment at Dollar Tree. Yeah, and I, I'm not. Dollar Tree's fabulous. Yeah, I'm not dissing that at all. To be honest with you, I give Dollar Tree stuff out. Um, as like door prizes or judges yeah. gifts or we had a bake-off for a Christmas party a couple years in a row and um, those prizes <laughs> came with a cookie mix and some Dollar Tree measuring cups because yes. for two bucks I could get you a Dollar Tree you can't beat it no. <laughs> <laughs> but you know to me again what a cool thing to do kids 
maybe you start out at a dollar store and then you go to a Walmart and then you, if you've got a really good kitchen supply to look at the difference. Yes. Is there one? And, and, and what, yeah. And then what you said earlier with a restaurant supply, go look at what, what a commercial um, mixer looks like versus the one that you have on the counter in your house. Yeah. You know, and and why we are not going to use the commercial mixer unless you have a family of 20 living at your house um, versus your KitchenAid or your Cuisinart or whatever that's sitting on your counter. You know, as you were talking about pieces of equipment and a wire with, what a great lead into from that equipment is not just here's the equipment and you said it. What do you do with it? Yes. So you hear the word fold. Like, oh, what's folding? Okay. Well, here's the equipment you're going to use. You're going to take that rubber scraper and you are going to fold. And this is the movement you make to fold it. And why do we fold? Hey, we don't want the air to come out. Oh, Megan's laughing. Okay, so when you say that, have you watched Shit's Creek? No, I tried to get into it. I got to like two episodes. Oh, you got to get past the first two episodes. But there's an episode on there where um, David and Moira are trying to make this recipe that is Moira's family recipe and stuff and it keeps saying fold in the cheese fold it that's the only thing that keeps playing over and over in my head when you say show show them how to fold that's all I can see is David and Moira going you have to fold it in well what is folding I don't know fold it in with you more than others <laughs> yes, it really does okay so I do have a, a kind of a story to tell about the the kitchen utensils specifically um my baby brother is 31 years old and a man who lives alone and um while I have outfitted his kitchen with the things that he needs um he called me the other day and he said you know what would be real handy to have and I said what's that he said a spatula <laughs> I've outfitted him with everything else, but he does not have a rubber spatula <laughs> to to stir things with. He is trying to make eggs, and all he has is a um. Well, now the name is escaping me. It's not a spatula. It's the not a spatula. That's that other thing. Yeah, it's not a spatula. Like a a, a metal spoon of so, of some sorts, and he's trying to make eggs with that. And he is like, it would be real handy just to have like a rubber scraper to to make these eggs with. And and everything, and I said, oh, well, let me just find you one. And so I found one on Amazon and sent it to him and, and everything. But, you know, um, even as adults, we need a refresher in what all of these tools do. And, and we overlook the, I think, because we're just so used to using them that we overlook the importance of them and the importance of teaching our kids the why behind we have, the, the reason behind having all of these things. Um, it's not just because we need... I was gonna say it's not just because we need the cute things to fill our utensil canister to make it look real cute because like mine has rolling pins and all my utensils are teal and everything it's not that's not the purpose of it the purpose is because each one of those utensils has a different job to do and we need them for different things and so um you can't spoon out soup with a, a serving like a a metal spoon that you would use to eat your ice cream with you know that's not going to work to get a big portion of soup out you need a ladle for that and and knowing the the reasoning behind all of those things and as you're saying i'm thinking what a what a neat thing to do with your 4-hers who are graduating and not that most are going straight to an apartment they're not but what a what a great program that would be is equipping 
college kitchen mm. and what they need. Okay, I'm going to wrap this. I mean, I, I think there's just so... I, so as we're talking about the, there, there is one more thing, one more point I want to make before we wrap this up. And we have talked, we talked, uh, I think on the first episode of this season about ages and stages and how different age groups have different skill sets. And there are so many um, documents out there that can, that can tell you, um, these are the skills that this particular age group needs to master in the kitchen or what they're capable of doing. While we know that some kids are capable of more and, and things like that, those are the basic skills that that particular age group is going to master. And so before you ever start to plan out any project experiences, take a look at those documents. We're going to link our Pinterest um, boards on there. Wendy and I both have that pinned on our Pinterest boards. Um, take a look at those and, and see, are the project experiences that you're planning going to work for the age group in which you're teaching? You know, maybe it's going to take a little extra work and maybe we bring our juniors in at one time and our intermediates in at one time and then our seniors in at one time. Maybe we do that. Maybe we let the seniors teach the juniors and intermediates. Maybe it's something with that. But we need to take a look. And I told you all earlier that I, I'm a big believer in the science behind everything. And this is the science behind the Foods and Nutrition Project. It's breaking down those skills that those kids mentally can retain and physically can do in the kitchen and, and you know we're we're giving lots of ideas but remember ask your four answers and and they may not have answers maybe they don't know what they need to learn but to me as these kids start to develop in the food nutrition project that's when you convert those kids and, and my kids did they became my food nutrition task force and they, the four H'ers became the driving force behind what we were doing mm -hmm. It depends on your county, depends on what you look like. You know, if, if you're one that really has a non-existent program, it may be you, you leading it. You're dictating everything. And, and maybe that only happens for a year or two, and then you give it That's over right. to them. And then we put the youth back in youth development. Oh, Go okay. listen to episode one of this season. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, and y'all, we got to finish up, but we'll finish up quick because we've been talking. About we know, again, with the time we're in, and I'm not saying that word anymore, there's different ways you may have to teach some of this. So yeah, some of you may be lucky enough in your states or your counties, you're getting to go in person right now. Yay for you. Sometimes maybe you're not. It may be a virtual subject. Maybe you are back in in-person, but maybe, like we've said before, it doesn't all have to be in-person. Maybe you dabble some virtual in there. Now I'm going to let Megan share real quick about the boxes that were created. Yeah, yeah. So um, we talked about this with some curriculum enrichment, but you can also do it with your 4-H projects. It, say you're having a project meeting and you're you're learning how to make a particular dish. Okay, you were going to go buy all those supplies for your kids anyways to make that dish and put them in groups and then, you know, do it that way. Still do that, but go put them in grocery bags or go put them in a box and have people come by the office and do it and then meet with them via Zoom. So they're in their kitchen. They're doing this there. It's multi It's multi-beneficial, I feel like, because A, they're getting the experience of cooking with, with you, the expert. Um, you've put the, you've done the same amount of work for the project meeting because now you put the project stuff in a bag. Um, but they're learning to make a dish at home in their kitchen with the tools that they have at their fingertips. So now they can continue to do that. I mean, it's, it is multi-beneficial. Um, and how many of us have 17 ovens in our, our extension offices to use? We don't. If you do, I'm coming to your office. No doubt, no doubt. Um, 
we we don't we don't have those things to do there um and, and so you you have the opportunity to expand your recipe um book with them when they are they're able to cook those things at home um so maybe these um pandemic times are not all bad there's so much you can do don't don't use it as an excuse use it as a stepping stone yes yes um think outside the box that's what justin signs taught us was think outside the box and do things differently and um there's there's ways to work around quarantine or lockdowns or whatever um we just have to figure out how to make that work for us um there was one more thing i was going to say i don't remember what it is so i'm going to wrap up and say <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> We we hope that you've enjoyed this. We hope that you've gotten some ideas. Um, there's a lot of things that we we get really passionate about, and the both of us get very passionate about the Foods and Nutrition Project. We both love it so much. I think you can tell that by the excitement in our voices and the fact that we could probably talk for another hour about different um, things that you could do for your project meetings. Um, instead of talking about an hour, we're going to link you to our Pinterest pages and some other resources so that you can go look at some of those things that we've tried or things that we found that could be interesting for you. Yes, we appreciate you joining us. Uh, gosh, the, uh, this is gonna be a fun season. I really didn't know how to work with projects, but I, I think it. I think last season was great, but I think this one might be even better. I know. I'm. I'm really excited. I. I think we have some good ideas, and we've got some good things lined up. You know, we started. We built our foundation. We talked about the science behind it. The what is a project? The curriculum enrichment. The putting the youth development back in um youth development and now we're getting into the meat of it and we're getting into those actual project experiences and um i think as you go along you'll see exa exactly how excited we get about this because these are the things that makes us want to be agents again yeah we appreciate you joining us no matter when it is you're joining us maybe 11 o'clock at night or seven o'clock in the morning or or sitting at the office during the day whatever but we appreciate you joining the lunchtime ladies helping you build your 4-H program one lunch at a time. Have a great day. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies podcast. We'd like to continue this conversation with you over on our social media pages. So be sure and follow us on Instagram and Facebook and connect with us there. You can find us at the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies on both platforms. Thank <laughs> you.